Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. Have you checked the children? children. I want to play a game. The box. You opened it. We came. This is the All America Speed Today we are witness to the dawn of a new communications era brought upon us by satellites, lasers, fiber optics, microprocessors, and magnetic bubbles. For the transfer of information, ideas, knowledge. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the All-American Spook Show. I'm Josh and I'm joined here with Donnie. Yo. And the Professor Smoke. What's up? Will couldn't be with us, but he, he he's missing a, an interesting one here. I'll say that. Mm. Um, it's it's Cronenberg. That's all, you know, you start there. It's Cronenberg. So <laughs> Yeah. It's going to be weird. You know, there's going to be some discussion of, of the oddness of certain things. Uh, but, you know, it was kind of like that with the fly, even though the fly was a little bit easy. I'd say a lot easier to explain what was going on in that one compared to this. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was, he was making one for Hollywood at that point, yeah, right? That, that's about as, that's probably like about, as Holly, about as Hollywood as he got at the time, right, with the fly. This is like the opposite of that. Yeah. Although this is kind of like his first big Hollywood funded movie. Uh, but we'll get into more of that. So today we're going to be watching Donnie's Choice. And, and what, what was it, Donnie, that you brought to it? Videodrome from 1983. Yeah. So it's uh, if you've ever seen it before, you know that everything that we just said is true. This is a this is an odd one, but you know we'll see what our uh, our final thoughts are on the matter further along we get here. But before we you know get into it like we normally do, I'll go ahead and toss out first and foremost we are a spoiler filled podcast. So if you have not seen Videodrome probably going to go ahead and hit pause go check it out in whatever method you have and then come back and uh, listen to the rest of this because we are going to spoil it for you and, and th- this is one i think you really need to see for, for the good and the oh. bad you know you need to see it at least once right oh definitely definitely yeah. all right also we want you to go over to aaspookshow.com that's the center of the spook show universe from there you can go to our youtube channel uh, you can go to our Patreon, and also you can go to patreon.com slash show. Uh, we've got, what, at least four different monthly series. Well, it's four different monthly series on YouTube, but, like, one of them kind of rotate, or two of them rotate with one another, because we have, uh, every month you get Hammer Horror in order, and every month you get Grindhouse Gutter. But the, the ones you get basically every other month are Spook Show Rewind and the newest one, Video Vortex. Uh, so we encourage you to go check those out over on YouTube. And then on Patreon, we have uh, Crapster Peace Theater. That's really the main event. We also have our video minisodes where we have uh, the latest editions of the Library of the Professor. We do those once a month. Uh, the latest, the, the latest Crapster Piece. That will come out, <laughs> that will come out on April 28th. I only hesitate because, like, thank God, I finally won one. I can take a break. <laughs> So this is gonna be this right. is gonna be one of y'all steering the ship on this one because I'm out. Yeah, I am out. <laughs> uh, like yeah, fuck it. <laughs> we're gonna be watching, or y'all are gonna be watching Caddyshack two. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you're a big fan of Caddyshack, don't watch Caddyshack two. <laughs> not not quite as good, I'll say that. But yeah, if you want to hear uh, some combination of Donnie, Will, and uh, and or Smoke on that one. That will be coming at you later this month on April 28th over on only exclusively to patreon.com slash a spook show. So, all right, with that, with that all out of the way, we'll go ahead and toss to the trailer for video drone. Why would anybody watch a scum show like video drone? Why did you watch it, Max? Business reasons. Sure. What about the other reasons? Ren is a victim. I woke up with a headache. He has been exposed to Videodrome. I've been hallucinating for a while, ever since... What? Since I first saw Videodrome. 
His brain is already receiving video images. I think that massive doses of Videodrome signal will ultimately produce and control hallucination to the point that it will change human reality. Soon, his visions will coalesce and become uncontrollable flesh. Videodrome is seducing Max Ren. Please, come to me now. And Max Wren can do nothing to stop it. What makes you think I need help? None of our test subjects has returned to normality. Television can change your mind. Videodrome will change your body. Long live the new flesh. It will shatter your reality. Videodrome, starring Deborah Harry and James Woods. A shocking new vision from the creator of Scanners. Coming soon to a theater near you from Universal Pictures. All right, there you go. That's the trailer for that. So, uh, Donnie, is this the first time? I mean, I know you, you nominated it. you rec- Or not nominated, you put it out here, but... Just the first time you watched it? Oh, definitely not. No, I had, uh, I, I mean, I had seen this probably in the nineties when I first, first watched it. Um, and then recently rewatched it again within the last year. And, uh, yeah, it was just basically waiting for the right time to, you know, recommend this. And you had mentioned, uh, well, actually we just got back from the trailer. Um, I was reading where, uh, a majority of the trailer was, uh, made on a Commodore 64, which, you know, <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. It yeah. Just, yeah. If you actually see the visual of that trailer, that makes sense. And we do always, at least I always try to put the the direct link to that movie's trailer that we're watching down in the show notes. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, go down to the show notes. You should see a link that says, here's the trailer for this. Click on that and that should mm-hmm. take you to it. So if you want to actually see it instead of just hearing it. That's your option. But what about you, Smoke? This this isn't the first time, right? No, no, I've seen it a handful of times at least. I think, uh, you know, I think because this this might get into uh, uh, our thoughts on the movie a little too soon. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask this question right now, but I just want to ask it now so you can answer it later. And we'll do this at the end. So that, that's a tease, right? <laughs> Isn't that, wait, wait a second. No, no, you end. said, I'm not going to ask this question no, right I'm, now, I'm gonna, but I'm going to ask it right now. I'm, I'm going to ask the question just so you can think about it is, what, is the way I meant the mm. phrase. Right? Where do you right. think this ranks with other Cronenberg movies? Don't answer. Mm. Just stew on that. And then we'll, we'll come back to that at the end. Hopefully I remember to come back to that. Cause I, I've done that before. Like, hey, I'm going to ask this at the end. And then I never, <laughs> I never fucking ask it. So. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get to it. But, yeah, uh, as far as uh, myself, I, I had seen this before, although it's been, you know, it's the classic case of it's been a long time ago. I think this was like a, you know, video store rental back in the 90s. Um, Donnie, probably back in the days when you were working at the video store and I would come over there and, and rent movies. Mm. When you, another another friend of ours, Chris, worked at, uh, yeah. what was it? Was that Hollywood Video? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Because it changed names of that place a couple of times, but mm. it was Hollywood when you were there, right? Mm, yeah, I worked at a couple of different movie theaters, but I never had the pleasure of working at a movie uh, uh, video store. Oh well, I mean, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> I don't have I I'm don't have the fondest means... memories that I should have. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if it if it's if it sucks, it sucks. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'd say uh, smoke as time has gone on, the whole, the whole idea of it and everything has probably been more romanticized than it was back then, right? Yeah. Well, I guess so. Yeah, I did spend a lot. I mean, I never worked in you know my love of movies and all that. It's kind of surprising, I guess, to something that I never attempted to or never worked in a video store or a movie theater. That's crazy. But uh, I spent I figured, a, I pe- a lot of time. I pegged in, you. I pegged you for. I said that's crazy. I pegged you for doing one or both at some point yeah, in your life. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you might think this is a, a, a weird side trip that we're taking talking about video stores, but I think it's appropriate here with for video for the movie oh, that we're talking about, Videodrome, because oh, yeah. it play yeah. and maybe not specifically video stores, but video, beta, all that stuff. 
plays an Formats enormous part of, of this movie, the plot of this movie, right? Uh, yeah, but, yeah, huge part, and, and part of the market, part of the marketing, and part of the uh, artwork. <laughs> For instance, the Criterion disc that I that I have video drum on and watched on the uh, it has a slipcase. You pull out the slipcase, and inside that, the cover of the actual, you know, that's inside the the insert and in the the plastic case is a insert that looks like a beta tape. Yeah, <laughs> and it says "Long Live the New Flesh" like on the label, you know. Yeah, uh, so, yeah kind of marketing part of the movie. I guess kind of feeding off that uh, that beta, they use Betamax tapes because, well, at least for the, um, well, obviously for the throughout the whole movie they did, uh, but the v, the VHS tapes were too big to fit in the uh, the kind of the fake stomach that uh, James Woods had. Um, VHS t- tapes were too big. The v- the VCR stomach, however you want to phrase that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they. Uh, um, so yeah, they used they used Betamax. I guess he didn't have a side loader in his stomach there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, let's go ahead and get into the background here for Videodrome. Uh, I found two alternate titles, and both of these actually just happen to be working titles. Uh, the first one is Network of Blood, and the second one was <laughs> Zone Killer. Now I think Network of Blood definitely would have worked, but Zone Killer, mm-hmm. I don't know. That, eh. Interesting title, but I don't know if it would have worked here for what story they were telling. True. True. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's I mean, an I, exploitation title, I guess. Yeah, I was about to say, I would totally be interested in a movie called Zone Killer, you know, as far as like an old video, you know, just something you would randomly rent. But for this movie, I don't know if that yeah. necessarily fits. Uh, but it was released February 4th, 1983. So our our our, our track record of, uh, of getting getting pretty close to anniversaries and stuff still holds, I yeah. think. I think it's fair, it's fair here because... Uh, I know we're, uh, you know, roughly two months past, a little over, uh, but still almost dead on 40 year anniversary of Videodrome. So pretty cool. Mm. It was produced by Film Plan International, Canadian Film Development Corporation, Famous Players and Guardian Trust Company and distributed by Universal Pictures. It was rated R, total runtime of one hour and 27 minutes on IMDb is listed as a horror sci-fi thriller uh it was filmed in the in basically in and around different areas and studios and whatnot in and locations in toronto ontario canada from october 19th through december 19th of 1981 for a budget of 5.9 million dollars and went on to a worldwide gross of just 2.1 million dollars <laughs> now i know this is horror and everything but this i think this would definitely fit in the cult corner wouldn't you say just criteria wise oh yeah yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because that is a bomb. And unfortunately, this was the first time, like I said earlier, that Cronenberg got like big funding and it just did not do well. So, you know, not that it really hurt him, I don't think, too much because this did get some critical accolades and whatnot. But, you know, it's still it's it's disappointing. I, I'm, I would assume it would have been disappointing for him at the time to, you know, finally get a big budget. And then the movie just does not do well. Um. It, here's the top 10 in the box office the same weekend that it came out. So this is the weekend of February 4th through the 6th, 1983. And this time period, sometimes it's hit or miss whether we have the top 10, but we actually have the top 10 here. So number 10, E.T., the extraterrestrial, was still playing in its 35th week. It was still <laughs> it was still in the, in the theater. Imagine. 35 weeks. That's I mean, you're, you're knocking on a damn ear you know, at that point. Number nine, The Dark Crystal in its eighth week. Number eight, and its opening weekend, Videodrome. It made one point one, uh, almost one point two million dollars in its opening weekend for Universal. Number seven, Sophie's Choice. That was in its ninth week. Number six, also opening that weekend, Without a Trace. Number five, The Verdict. Number four, Gandhi. That was in its ninth week. Number three, Forty Eight Hours. Number two, also it's opening week, so it was the big opening winner this weekend, The Entity. It made $3.6 million that weekend. And then number one, in its eighth week, still kicking butt, Tootsie. <laughs> it broke, <laughs> this is the week that it broke the $100 million threshold, old Tootsie. So here's your box office snapshot for the weekend of February 1983 there. I mentioned some accolades. It won, best I can tell, three... Different awards, no Oscars or anything like that, but still, still won mm-hmm. three awards. All uh, there in 1984. 
It won the best sci-fi film for uh, David Cronenberg won that in the Brussels International Festival of Fantasy Film, also known as BIFFF. It won the best sci-fi film and it actually tied smoke. I don't know if you know this title or not with bloodbath at the house of death. Yeah, I know, I know the title. I don't know that I've ever seen it, but that's definitely a title. Once you, once you have heard it or read it, then you don't, <laughs> yeah. then you know it, well, but I don't remember seeing it. No. It's an eye catching title. I'll tell you that. I'd definitely like to see a movie <laughs> called bloodbath at the house of death. What about you? Donna? Yeah. Yeah. I'd be in for that. So next week on the spook show, <laughs> um, <laughs> It also won Best Cinematography in Theatrical Feature for Mark Irwin. He was the cinematographer at the Canadian Society of Cinematographers Awards, 1984. And it also, David Cronenberg also won Best Achievement in Direction, so Best Director, at the Genie Awards in 1984. Uh, It was actually nominated for seven other Genie Awards that it lost. But Cronenberg uh, got the Genie for Best Direction, but it tied. So him and Bob Clark, ironically, another horror director, but not for a horror. Bob Clark got a piece of the, uh, the award for a Christmas story there in 1984. So two, that's two completely different type of flicks right there. Winning a best director award, <laughs> you got <laughs> video drum in one hand and a Christmas story in another. <laughs> those up for the viewing audience. They were screening those. Speaking of Cronenberg, he wrote and directed this movie. So this is his baby through and through. Uh, you would probably best, I mean, sp- the fly, right? We did that back all the way back in episode 125. Mm. Uh, but he also did such classics as shivers, rabid scanners. Uh, scanners was probably actually his breakout film right before this one. that pretty much got him the funding to do this. Um, one note that I found, this was really interesting and I don't know how deep in the conversations he was for this, but not necessarily to do this, but he turned down another movie and ended up doing video drone. The movie that he turned down, the chance to direct Return of the Jedi. Can you imagine? <laughs> what? Uh, uh, I did not know that. Yep. Wow. At least the chance to direct. Now, I'm assuming that means at the least he was in a, say, on a short list of, of people that could have possibly directed it. But could you imagine? Cronenberg. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine that George Lucas said, uh, you know, up to that point, well, you know, he did The Brood uh, and Scanners, you yeah. know. Maybe he'd be great for Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. You know, not mention Shivers and Rabbit, you know. If I, if I had to yeah, think... Yeah, just looking at that criteria and thinking that, you know, well, here's a perfect fit for Return of the Jedi. If I had to take a stab <laughs> at, at, at what they were probably thinking there, it's probably like, let's look at some young and upcoming directors that might yeah. lend some, you know, different kind of vision to the series here, you know, at that point. Because that would be an interesting... Uh, I would I would like to see that, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. What the? Yeah. yeah. I, f- I found that interesting. But uh, as far as this movie itself, also, Rick Baker, you can't go any further, right? <laughs> talking about this movie. Legend. Then talking about Rick Baker did, did the makeup effect. He was the makeup effects designer, kind of led the team there. But uh, you see, obviously, you know, you see his work throughout it. Great stuff. To me, you don't see enough of it throughout the movie, you know? I mean, what you do see is great, I think, but mm-hmm. you'd like a little bit more. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's, it's sporadic. Yeah, you know, spread out the the gore and the effects work. It's there, but it's not like you said. It's not as say something like like the thing, for instance, where it's a bit more you know throughout the movie. Yeah, it's not wall to wall. Yeah, but I'd say the biggest reason that it looks as well as it does is because of Rick Baker, right? Yeah, True. undoubtedly. And I think I saw too with him. I think he brought some people over from uh, an, an American Werewolf in London to work with him on this one. This is roughly yep. around the same time period, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, more on that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's another tease for later on. Cronenberg, uh, back to him for a second. He is actually in the movie, uh, although you probably wouldn't know that he was in the movie. In the parts where uh, Max puts the the helmet on, that's Cronenberg sitting there with the helmet on. Basically, because James Woods was afraid he was going to get electrocuted if he put it on his head, <laughs> so Cronenberg sat down and, and they did it with him. All right, fine. Yeah, all right, fuck it, I'll do it. Also, there were three endings that were shot. I didn't see exactly what the other endings were, 
but this one that we see, and we'll get to, you know, obviously when we, you know, start talking about the film here shortly, um, the one that they landed on was James Wood's idea. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, once we get towards the end, we can get a little bit more into, uh, at least one other kind of plot point that I saw. So this might've been one of the endings, but I never saw a definitive, like, well, here, here's, here were the three endings. What, what would have happened? But I did see one that was a little, a little more interesting. I'll say that, but we'll get into that a little bit later on. Um, to that, it stars James Woods as Max Wren. You, you may know him, uh, from once upon a time in America, cat's eye, uh, vampires. I believe that was John Carpenter, right? Smoke vampires. Yep. Uh, Donnie, you might may or may not remember that he was one of the voices in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. James Wood has he's done a lot mm. of voice work, a lot of movies, yeah. TV shows, stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I saw he, he hadn't done anything uh, in the last you know few years. I noticed that. Yeah, I but, don't know um, what's up with that. Like, yeah, have any issues? Like since uh, twenty nineteen, I was like, well, you know, you're stacking cash elsewhere. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, he's done enough. I, I'm sure he could probably yeah. retire if he wants to. But I, I never saw anything about that he is retired. But yeah, he hasn't done anything. Maybe it's got something to do with COVID. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe some other health issues. He just doesn't want to I can tell you what it might have something to do with, but (laughs) we probably want to go too far. I know we don't want to go too far down political paths in the show, but uh, he's fairly outspoken. Oh, Uh, is there some kind of uh, political controversy with him or something? Yeah, I think I think he's pissed a little. You know, Hollywood being as Hollywood is, I think he's pissed off uh, some of the (laughs) big wigs. That might have done Producers. And things in, in yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, it, you know, it, that that might. It, it didn't take I'm not much. saying that's why. But. Yeah, it didn't take much sometimes. Uh, also, James Woods was nominated. Also, James Woods in his career, he, he's been nominated for two Oscars. Once for Best Actor in Salvador from, uh, uh, in 1987. And once for Best Supporting Actor in Ghost of Mississippi in 1997. So he, he has had some uh, pretty big accolades throughout his career. Although he didn't win either one of those, but. Uh, still pretty cool. Sonia Smits as Bianca Oblivion. That's, that's the first time we've said the word Oblivion here, but it won't be the last. Uh, she would probably best be known for, you know, people listening to this from the movie The Pit. I think it came out right before this. Uh, mm-hmm. But she's been in a ton. Uh, you go look at her uh, uh, filmography, a ton of TV shows, TV movies, stuff like that. So she... She, you probably, if you go look at that, you would probably recognize her from something you have watched on television over the last 30 years or so. Uh, De- Debbie Harry as Nikki Brand. Of course, she would best be known as the uh, the singer of Blondie, the, the lead singer of Blondie, right? Uh, yeah, but she's not Blondie, right? They dyed her hair red. Yeah, yeah. I guess to, to, so that you wouldn't immediately think Blondie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, although I'm sure that did help sell this movie on some level, right? Like you put her face on it, especially at this time. And this, and this came out, I believe right, right after they, they probably would have filmed this around the time that Blondie was breaking up or if they hadn't yet, it was right after like this pretty much this time period was when Blondie broke up. But, uh, once again, people that listen to this show might, might know her, you know, if you don't know her from Blondie or this, she was in Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. I think she was in a random episode of Tales from the Dark Side, you know, the series as well. Uh, she was in Body Bags. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a random connection I saw. She is in the Ramones video for the song Pet Cemetery. Hmm. Pet Cemetery being what we watched all the way back in episode nine, which we just did on Spook Show Rewind. So I thought that was an oh. interesting connection. So <laughs> we can tie That's her back cool. to uh, <laughs> Pet Cemetery, But yeah, she's in that video for uh pet cemetery and also donnie another uh ra- i only i only noted this because it's another random connection she's a voice in grand theft auto vice city so <laughs> we got james woods who was in grand gta theft auto, gta san andreas and now we've got debbie harry who's in gta vice city <laughs> so i thought it was kind of a cool connection but yeah i mean that's a lot but that's pretty much about all i could dig up i mean i'm sure there's some other shit did you guys have anything else that you want to point out before we dive on in uh, yeah. Um, Andy Warhol called Videodrome um, a clockwork orange for the 1980s, which <laughs> I don't I don't know. Um, I mean, I can see where he's going with that, but it's Andy Warhol. Yeah, he's a, he was a weird. Dude. Um, probably something else is that uh, um, and this will probably ring true, I guess, more towards 
our neck of the woods uh, because um, this is kind of a local character for us. But um, the Barry Convex was inspired by televangelist Jim Baker. Which you can kind of see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's definitely got a little that. Bit here and there. He's definitely got that in the role. He's playing that televangelist type of. Yeah, that sleaze. Yeah, just type of on uh, TV. Give me money, kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can see it. I can see it. Yum yum! It's time for a tasty and refreshing snack. We promise to satisfy your hunger, your thirst, your sweet tooth. So visit our refreshment center now. Let's go. For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So I hopped on the Audible, and I, and I typed in Cronenberg. I only found one thing. I typed in Videodrome, nothing. So I decided just to type in video stores to see what would pop up, and of course, a number of podcasts pop up. But found another couple of interesting titles here. We've got The Horror Club, A Trip to the Video Store by Jeremy Campbell. That <laughs> one is uh, almost five hours long. Uh, this one, Donnie, this is right up your alley here, buddy. I got you one. I know you're not a bigger reader, but you can, you can listen to this. All right. So I got you one fucked in the video store. I quit. (laughs) How did you know? I said, I don't have the best memories. Damn it. What the fuck? Fuck oh, in the video <laughs> store, a rough public group sex erotica story. Jesus. By, by Allison Range. Oh, it's only 11 minutes long. So, dude, come on. You can't devote. Nah, fuck it. Really, you I gotta lost be me a book. You. I really got to be honest with you, though. 11 minutes is about all you need, right? <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, get a group together. Yeah. Man so, into peace. Yeah, tons of uh, podcasts and other things. No surprise there. But if any of that floats your boat. <laughs> I know Donnie's going to use up his Audible credit today on that. So yeah. Go to, all 11 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and you only need five, really. <laughs> to download your free audio book today, go to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audio book. Good Lord, that was perfect. <laughs> when I saw that title, I'm like, yep, this is, this is what we're reading. So I'm going to hop on over to uh, IMDb, and I'm going to click on Plot Summary. See what pops up. Oh, oh, Donnie. Oh, boy. Yeah, I see it. Oh, boy. I see buddy. it. I'm just like, fuck, I, man. Is re- there any way I can get on get on here and, <laughs> like, ed- okay, can I edit that one to, like, just delete it entirely? Nope, we're in the whole thing. There's actually, you got the one sentence one, then I, there's yeah, that's three, just, three just others that are a little briefer, but still two of those are kind of long, but this one, oh, this is the story here. So we're, we're I'm going to read you the brief one, then the long one. So a programmer at a TV station that specializes in adult entertainment, searches for the producers of a dangerous and bizarre broadcast. You would think All right, that, let's move on. You would think that would be enough information, <laughs> but it's not. I know we have read something from old Huggo here on, the, uh, on these before, and Huggo has wrote this one. Here we go. Max Wren is the president of Channel 83 Civic TV, a small television station on the UHF, UHF dial. He defends his programming of largely X-rated shows, which depict graphic sex and extreme violence as a pure matter of economic survival as a small station. Behind closed doors in specific company, he would admit that he enjoys such programming, but his president will stay away from associated activities that may be dangerous for him in its purchase. His current girlfriend, radio personality Nikki Brand, who he met on a television talk show, is sexually aroused by light mutilation on her person. That despite or because her radio show is like an open-air crisis hotline. On that same talk show, the other guest via video feed was Professor Brian Oblivion, solely his stage name, who believes that television and video broadcasts will one day overtake the world as reality, which may make Max's programming and combination more dangerous. In Max's search for the next big thing and like programming already on Channel 83, Harlan, his pirater who scans satellite signals, illegally obtains a satellite feed of something called Videodrome, which depicts continual sexualized torture and murder with no storyline of which to speak. The background behind Videodrome is unknown, but believing it, believing it is that big thing for which he is looking, Max is determined to find the producers so that he can purchase it for his station. He is concerned for Nikki if she goes ahead against his warnings and wanting to appear on Videodrome, 
However, it does not lessen his desire to purchase it. If Max, in turn, does not heed the warning of Masha, one of his longtime show suppliers, based on what little she discovers about it, Max may discover that Videodrome was just the next but destructive step in Oblivion's prognostication. Let me turn the page. Then, <laughs> shut up, shut up. <laughs> uh, that's all right. That was pretty good, and that really only explained about the first fifteen <laughs> minutes of the movie. To be honest with you, yeah, <laughs> um, it's funny. So, as far as like <laughs> just the, the oddness and weirdness and everything that is this movie, where do you start? Well, I'd say right on top that this movie touches on a little bit, but doesn't go. I mean, even though it's got its moments of extremity or whatever you want to call it, uh, is the sort of sordid subgenre of the snuff film and uh, within horror movies mm. and within and within the and, and in the real world, the leg, the legacy or legends or whatever of snuff movies, whatever you want to call it, because really, in all honesty, people have you know they've heard that name, but they don't. There's really never been a true snuff movie discovered as far as now there's real death stuff, you know, news footage and all this stuff. But a snuff movie is is a movie that is produced by whatever, whoever it may be, for the sole purpose of torture and killing somebody and selling it to an audience or whatever. So they technically haven't really found any or at least they haven't, you know, FBI hasn't released any information of there being true snuff movies that exist. But that's kind of what this, I think, plays on a little bit is that. Those, uh, that, that, whatever you want to call it, urban folklore of, of snuff movies that were going around at this time and before. Now, in fact, there's a movie in the sometime in the late 70s, I believe, called Snuff, which played with that same sort of even more directly, of course, with that uh concept. So I think that's one area that maybe he was going in with. I don't, did they even mention that at one point? I think they do mention snuff movies at some point in the movie. I think it's like a when Harlan like, right? kind of describing it as that, but at its at its root. A snuff movie is basically defined as something that's basically sexualizing murder, right? Yeah. 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 And also, yeah. I think it has to have an audience, like somebody pays somebody, a producer, somebody to produce this stuff, and it's sold underground to, you know, somebody or yeah, groups of people. Yeah, nefarious contacts, you know, the, uh, the black, uh, you know, the dark web, black market, you know. So I think that's the whole premise of the, maybe not the entire premise, but a lot of the premise of this movie is that like um, things are going this way, right? Like violence is is popular. It, it's ratcheting up. Like we're working up to like things are getting worse and worse to the point where like mm-hmm. this is like pe- what people want. This is what they're salivating for. The the rougher the better, the grosser the better, right? This is that's the point. There's there's a quote actually in the in, in the movie. I think it's uh, it's kind of interesting. It says, uh, um, "I think we live in o- overstimulated times." Mm. I was like, "Damn, 1983 is overstimulated." <laughs> <laughs> That's where it started. You know, well, I, 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 oh. it probably started on a much lesser level way before that. As time goes on, you know, it just it's more mm. and more call it acceptable, call it just talked about, right? Like because it was probably a time period where People, people have always done things like that and probably just nobody talked about it kind of thing. But now as time is going on, right, it's people talk about it now as opposed to it's just like this hidden thing that five rich yeah. dudes, five rich dudes trade tapes amongst each other. Now it's there's a whole dark web and everything of shit like that now. Right. Yeah. But like, you know, even like in the movie itself, Harlan describing this, you know, the snuff uh, movie. He's desensitized to it, and you can tell oh, him because he just nonchalantly talks about it. Yeah, and you know the whole premise it, of this it, channel that he runs is civic. It's called Civic TV, mm-hmm. and the, the tagline that they say in there, Civic TV, the one you take to bed with you. So, like, they're they're all in on the the sexualization of mm-hmm. of everything. The br- more brutal, the better. So, like, that's what he's selling here. And then he just like that long description that we just read. He gets he gets kind of gets sucked into the world. Right. Yeah, and then oh, and here's another thing too is that I guess they maybe they do a little thing things a little different in Canada, but I know here in America at that time you are you aren't going to be able to tune into you, any kind of <laughs> TV signal and get this uh, type of programming, whether it's UHF or not. <laughs> well, apparently That's there, there was some basis of that. There was a uh, uh, in in Canada uh, in the late seventies. Uh-huh. There was a um, uh, I want to say it was there was a channel up there that he modeled this mm. civic TV on called city TV. 
and basically city TV was known for basically showing like softcore porn and stuff at late night. And they had a late night block called the baby blue movie. And that's so they did, did do things differently in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Cause this is like late seventies, you know, early eighties, I assume sometime in that time frame when he saw this and then like, that's kind of one of the ideas for the movie. But yeah, like they show, I'm assuming it's probably something similar to say like, what we probably saw growing up on, on, uh, Cinemax Showtime, like late night, you know, the, the joke, Skinamax, right? Like that late night, you know, after midnight <laughs> type stuff you're going to see, it ain't, it ain't full on porn, but it's porn enough, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming that's kind of what they ran, but maybe it was harder. I don't know, but I, I guess he just took that idea and ran with it. Like what if there was a channel that was like, you know what, this is what they sell and then let's go. Um, I did find, I, I, I find it interesting that like, you know, the scenes where they're in that TV station and they're walking around and there's posters and shit on the wall. I'd love to see like some of the real, I like to see some of that stuff that was in the background. I don't, I can't give you a, an example of some of those posters, but some of those I was looking at them like that would be an interesting TV show or movie if that were real kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously they're all just made up for the movie, but it would be interesting if these things existed. Just a dip. Because they, they definitely looked like 80s video movies is what it looked like in TV shows and stuff. So they nailed that aesthetic. But they made this in 1981, so that makes sense. Mm. Um, what, how, what, what did y'all feel about, like, you know, how he's introduced to Nikki and then, like, how she's into mutilation sex and all that stuff? Like, she, pretty quick, like, you can tell, like, she gets off on, like, just that, right? Just being... <laughs> Like what is it? What are they doing there? Is he piercing her ear, and then they're having sex? And he's piercing her ear. Like it's some low level fuckery here, right? <laughs> well, first, the first thing she says is, "Uh, oh, you got your Swiss Army knife. I want you to pull it out and just cut me a little bit right here." And then she pulls her hair back, and she's already shows scabs where she's been cut three or yeah. four times. <laughs> and he's kind of like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> "Yeah, you're just joking." No, for real. <laughs> what? <laughs> but then, but then, like, cut to him piercing her ears while he's having sex with her. <laughs> that also, uh, I'm guessing I watched, I mean, we watched, uh, I watched the Criterion, so the uncut version. I don't know if y'all, where y'all watched that or whether it was the R, you know, the theatrical cut or unrated or whatever, but that was a little bit of an extended scene there. I guess the ear piercing was <laughs> trimmed a little bit in uh, the R rated version where it didn't show it going all the way through through i mean i don't and i don't know that i mean i would assume that blonde blondie's ears were already pierced and they were just pushing it through the hole that existed with some fake blood i mean but i didn't really read into that i would assume uh, so but yeah who knows i'm sure even but, uh, even just for make believe sake there was probably some weird shit going on in this set <laughs> it's a cronenberg a weird cronenberg movie surely there was some weird shit going on on some level during the production oh yeah so yeah professor brian oblivion how awesome of a name is that? Yeah, and like you, I don't. We didn't talk about this on the show. We, I think we talked about it off air, didn't we? Or maybe we did mention it at the beginning of the show. But it's spelled Oblivion with a like, yeah. like well, like oh. my name, O'Neill has O and an apostrophe and yeah, Oblivion, oh, right? Apostrophe Oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> at least he, at, at least they kind of scrubbed the stupidity, the stupidity of it off real quick. Where he's like, of course, that's not my real name. You know, I only use that for television purposes or whatever that you know whatever stage said, but, name yeah yeah stage name but at least they like okay that's a dumbass name but then they're like <laughs> well at least they explained why he's got a dumb name right yeah so you fast forward a little bit further in the movie and you realize that this character this guy professor oblivion actually has been dead for like 11 months he's 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 been dead and basically his daughter uh What's her name? Bianca Oblivion <laughs> has mm. been <laughs> has been uh, uh, keeping him basically keeping him alive through like every interview he does. Like he's on a television because you know you saw that earlier in the film and stuff mm. like that. Um, yeah, there's some weird moments, but I don't think you really get into the weird until he pulls out a gun and sticks it in his stomach, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not talking like he takes a gun and like, I'm going to shoot myself. No, he literally like feeds his stomach. Like, no, <laughs> there's, a, just like, there's just like a, a sideways, like cut, like a slit that goes for like, say, you know, north to south. 
right in the middle of his stomach and he just sticks his hand down in there when he's got the pistol in his hand and then just it pulls his hand out and the gun is gone. Like <laughs> no pistol. And then he's looking around like like he's like he hallucinated or something that his stomach was that way and he's looking for the gun in the couch cushions and all that stuff. <laughs> that was I think that was the moment where it started to really get weird. Like I said, there was a lot of weird shit, right? Moments, brief moments, but that's like, okay, what the what the hell is going on here? I'm surprised uh like the the business name Spectacular Optical hasn't become more of a thing. <laughs> I know it's generic as hell right now. I guess that's the point, but I'm surprised it hasn't become more of a thing like you see shirts like you know at horror conventions and shit to say oh. and I'm sure they exist, right? But spectacular no. optical or something like that. It just seems like people uh grab onto the more obscure things about horror movies and stuff and stuff like this that that would become a thing. Or like the, uh, what was the name of the other building, the, the Cathode Ray Ministries? Yeah, uh yeah. That, it was like a, the, yeah. the the Cathode Ray Mission or something like that. Yeah, yeah Cathode Ray Mission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, these days, though, like people would be like, "What the hell is a cathode ray?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there, there. That's another thing too. There's a lot of uh, uh, current times, I guess you can put it, modern day similarities to the themes of this movie, isn't there? Like, just coincidentally, oh. you know. But like, just replace, just replace certain elements like the cathode ray and TV obsession with like social media and streaming and stuff, right? Like, you just just push it to forty years to today, and like. A lot of what the themes they're dealing with talking about here are, you know, things that we're talking about and dealing with today, right? Yeah, look at uh, met, uh, the metaverse thing and yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah, still relevant, mm-hmm. you know. Very, very relevant. And, of course, AI, <laughs> that too. You know? Yeah. Oh, there's that. Yeah. And, and of course, everybody's Jeez. got the, the stomach slits. You know, that's a thing now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, about that. I just... Just the other day, I watched Jaws four on mine. <laughs> well, that's a nice that's a nice place to put it. Most yeah. people, yeah, yeah. Most people put that one up their ass. Yeah, it comes but, out the bench and think it's all good. <laughs> it comes out where it, where it deserves to come out. Yeah. So he meets this guy Barry Convex, and then Convex has him put on a helmet because he, he wants to monitor uh, Max Max Ren, and then mm. uh, in he starts dreaming right when he puts the helmet on, and in the dream. He uh, starts whipping a TV like it's like he's in Videodrome, and in Videodrome, you the snippets that you see up to this point, there's like this weird clay wall in the background, and people are basically being like tortured and, and killed in these videos. Well, now all of a sudden he wakes up, he's in it, and he's like, "There's a TV there," uh, and he starts whipping it because I think he sees Nikki in the TV, right? Debbie Harry's mm-hmm. character, yeah. and he starts whipping it, and then all of a sudden it turns into the lady, uh, Masha, that's like his, uh, the lady that acquires his weird TV shows for him for the, the net, the network. She's in there. And then he wakes up and all of a sudden she's in the bed, like bound and dead. So he calls his buddy Harlan, who's the, the guy that like pirates these TV streams for the, the satellite streams or whatever for the network. He calls him over. It's like, just go in there and check it out. And sure enough, it's not there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So this is where, like, you you got to figure, like, either somebody's in on the gag or he's really just seeing shit, you know. But turns out, like, this is kind of like, what's your read on this movie, Smoke, as far as, like, is it, is he really hallucinating? Or are these things really happening? Or is it just, like, a group of people, like, gaslighting this dude into thinking he's crazy and seeing things to get him to do stuff? I mean, what do you think? I don't, I mean, well, I mean, if I'm... Just knowing Cronenberg and how he generally writes, I'm thinking it's more along the lines of a hallucinatory body because he does body horror. Yeah, that it's not so much being manipulated by a group of people. I mean, even though that's kind of plays into it a little bit, but I, I still think it's an actual thing that's happening to him, combined with hallucinations. Like he's seeing it, but again, I think it's actually some of the stuff is happening to him physically. You know, like the yeah. the stomach thing and all that even though it starts out as sort of a hallucination and he does hallucinate at various points. Like when he thinks he, remember the scene where he thought he saw a uh, Deborah Harry's character come to his apartment. Well, really it's the, the girl that he works with or whatever. And he slaps, he thinks he slaps her because yeah. it's, you know, Deborah Harry and she would, she would want that anyway. Right. <laughs> and then he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I slapped you. Or I hit you. And he goes, what? You didn't hit me. You know? So I think 
it's manipulating his mind to where he is hallucinating certain things, but I think some of it is also physically happening to him as well. And in the end, you know, there's a whole, well, we'll get to that point. <laughs> I don't, we'll give up, get to that. We'll go too far ahead yet. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm like old. what, what I understood it to be was like, uh, the video drone signal is actually causing a tumor uh, or like, you know, causing his hallucin hallucinations. So it's, like, yeah, it's, had a tumor, you know, you'd probably hallucinate yeah. these, these things. So, and, yeah. and so based on that, they are able to take advantage of that and get him to do things they want him to do. Like, for instance, kill a little bit here in a minute. You know, you see a little further along in the movie when he walks into the uh, 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 the network office, his partners, and then he just shoots them both. Mm -hmm. Basically on the command of like the video drum or whatever it was that told him to do that, right? He just goes in there and does it. So like, so is this something where like, the signal causes a tumor that makes you hallucinate, and these hallucinations tell you to do things that they want you to do. I mean, is is that what you're seeing here? You think? I would say, yeah, I would I mean, say so because like, not everything is a hallucination. Is my point right? Like some of it is, but mm. some of it ain't. So is that what you're saying, Smoke? Like these things are making him do things they want him to do for whatever reasons they have, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think they're guiding him and everything, but at the end, and I think he is hallucinating. Like you said, it's a tumor, but it's a tumor that's being caused by video drone, the instrument or whatever. But uh, for certain things, I don't know, like the, the, the stomach thing. Do you think I think it, it's causing more than just a tumor? I think it's causing other body manifestations like that to happen. And so, and also another thing that you could be thinking of there is that Cronenberg might be leading you down these paths to, to get you to think different. It was ahead of its time, so to speak, at that for that time period. Now, nowadays, directors do it all the time to try and make not make everything like cookie cutter for you to sort of give you something to talk about, to feed on, to to say was it this way? Well, some person says it's this, and the other person thinks it's that. So I think he he's sort of uh, leading you on to give you the viewer to kind of come to their own conclusion, I guess. So but I still think it's it has to do with hallucinations and with this thing causing bodily manifestations to happen like tumors in the brain or these other, if you want to call them tumors, whatever's going on with the stomach thing and all that. I think that was kind of happening because you, you have that guy, you have a convex, you know, the thing that happens to convex. Cause what was that? Was that a hallucination or was he just, or did that happen? You know, <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you mean what eventually ended up happening to convex? Yeah, yeah. He walks in on like convex is like having like a seminar meeting, whatever this is, like a convention seminar, or whatever. And he shoots him, and then the dude basically he just melts, right? Yeah, that was yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, but like awesome. my description doesn't do it justice. You have to see it, but the, no. way, the way he just like you know goes and melts and everything, it's it's pretty good. When con or a little bit before that though, when convex basically you find out that his guy Harlan, Max's guy Harlan, is in with convex. He's in with whatever this is. And then Convex puts a tape in Max's stomach, like that slit in his stomach. Like, that's what I'm thinking. Like, this is like the, uh, it's like, here's your instructions, right? This is what I want you to do. I want you to kill this person or do whatever it is I want you to do. So I'm going to take this tape and I'm going to insert it in your stomach. But like, maybe that's just what he is thinking is happening, right? Like in reality, they're just feeding him, these hallucinations to get him to do what they want him to do. But like in his head, he's thinking like he has this little thing in his stomach. They put it in there. Like now you have your mission go kind of thing. You know, it's, it's fucking weird and it's hard to explain really without seeing it. But then that, yeah. Cause the other part, is, Oh, you, you're about to get to it. I think, well, I was going to say <laughs> he, like, might be. Well, he puts the tape in there and he's got the idea to go do something or whatever, but then he, he kind of rejects it. He starts to reject the idea of it. Right. And he, and he actually goes to Bianca oblivion who helps him, kind of break the hold that Videodrome has on him, but he reaches into his stomach. Remember the gun thing earlier and, and pulls out the gun. So it's like, it's like the gun was stowed away in his stomach this whole time, but then it becomes yeah, that's like, what I was mentioning about the gun next, because then it also mutates into his hand, right? Yeah, like like very cyberpunk style. <laughs> it's like, it becomes a part of his hand. Like all of a sudden he has a gun, yeah. a, like a slimy reptilian gun hand. <laughs> um, and not long after that, that's when you get the quote, death to Videodrome, long live the new flesh. Because that's what, that's right after Bianca is able to help break the hold that Videodrome has on him. 
And that's, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's kind of the quote and you get it again toward the end. But I, I guess, you know, between the, what he does with Convex there, I think that's the final blow. But right before that, when he takes out Harlan, he just blew him up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. with the, Yeah. He's just full body explosion. Although not as maybe. When you say that, you expect, damn, like guts and everything flying everywhere. It's not quite as uh not quite as spectacular of an explosion as this yeah. prior movie was yeah. for the explosion and scandals. That's yeah. a still cool effect, but but uh, that one I was I expected that one to be a bit gorier when that happened. And, yeah. and, you know, but, but it yeah, happens. He blows up. It's not a, you know you don't see it, blood flying everywhere. But it happens. Yeah, after, I was a little like, disappointed Harlan, with that. One. Harlan sticks his hand in his stomach and bites his hand off, and then he's ah, how how that happened. I don't know. Right. <laughs> And it made him like a, it was a weird hand nub. It was a weird shape. Yeah. It was like, it was like this, like a machine gear type of thing, but then it got skinny and then there's his arm. So it was kind of a, yeah, it was like, honestly, it kind of looked, and this is what I thought when I initially saw it, but, uh, in American gladiators, the, uh, the, the joust sticks. (laughs) <laughs> i was like oh bloody, yeah american gladiators that was nub, my the bloody nub version of it yeah. yeah the bloody nub <laughs> but that makes him yeah. fall to the ground and scream and then blow up <laughs> so it's, it is a, a true what the fuck moment um but then in the end nikki appears on the on the tv because he goes to this <laughs> like derelict abandoned ship out on like the the locked up shipyard somewhere on the other side of, of, the, of toronto or something and there's a TV in there apparently, or at least in his head or something, right? He's just sitting there. Nikki appears on the TV and basically tell him like, you need to shoot yourself to, to go, to take the next step in video drum. Like you've come this far, but now you need to go to the next level. And then it kind of shows him, right? Like this is what you need to do. And then damn, if he just doesn't just fucking do it, like note for note, like does exactly what he just saw. And then long live the new flesh puts the gun to his head. Pow. The end, right? Credit. So yep. it is interesting. It is interesting to say the least. Now we've talked a lot about the themes and whatnot, and we've talked a lot about Cronenberg, but I'm going to go back to the question I asked you guys earlier. Where do you think mm. this ranks as far as like the, the Cronenberg movies that you saw that you've seen? And, uh, I mean, obviously we've only done one other one with the fly and personally, yeah. I like the fly better than this, but, yeah, uh, same. I mean, just apples to oranges. But what what do you say, Smoke? I mean, you, you might have seen more Cronenberg uh, 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 movies than I have. So where do you think this one lands? I think as far as his classic output of the, let's say, let's just stop with the 80s. If we're just talking about from 70s, 80s, I think it's it's up there as far as his, you know, like Cronenberg fans, let's say. It's up in there. Uh, the fly, that's also depending on, like you said, apples and oranges. The fly is a very much more... Uh, well-produced Hollywood-style movie. You know, I mean, it's it's got more production in it. I mean, he probably had more producers on his back <laughs> than were you know having sure. him put out a certain type of movie where it's not going to get too crazy and too weird. Uh, and he's also he's doing a remake anyways, and he's got Jeff Goldblum, he's got Gina Davis, so he's got bigger you know names maybe he's working with. So you could can compare it with that. And but I, I would say compare it with his non is less Hollywood movies and such like Scanners, uh, Dead Ringers. Uh, Rabid. Uh, what was his first movie? Rabid. Can't think of, uh, I, Shiver. Shiver. Yeah, Shivers. Yeah, I was going to say Rabid was an early one, but it wasn't his first. Yeah, Rabid was the well, second I one, I believe. Uh, yeah. Shivers was the first one, but I think it kind of falls around, say, Scanners. And personally, I like Scanners a little bit better than this one. I mean, just a little bit mm-hmm. as far as the concept, like the whole psychic concept, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it still ranks up there pretty high as far as his eight, 70s, 80s output. Uh, for that time period, it was probably, I mean, the brood is great too, though. I mean, really, I like, I think let's just take those three movies and we'll maybe throw in dead ringers. If I had to sit right here and rank them without watching them all again recently, you know, I would say for me personally, probably would be the brood scanners, videodrome, and then dead ringers. Now I'm leaving the fly out because I, I, I just put the fly in a different league, a, a different type of, movie or whatever so it's kind of hard for me to rank the fly with all yeah. of, with all his other movies because it's so different for him for, I mean, for his style one could argue too that like that might be his best movie the fly what would you would you go that far I, 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 yeah i would definitely say that yeah, yeah. i would agree yeah. with that yeah i mean you got it's a great script he it's a great remake but in that it's not 
the same as the original. Like he takes it and does his own thing with it. And it's still very Cronenbergian, <laughs> you know, cause he's still got his body horror stuff in there and it makes it so much more different than the original. That's his own thing. So I, it's also one of my favorite remakes as well. I forget where I, we, we ranked remakes at one point. I think I had it on my list. We probably all did maybe. Yeah. In some capacity. But, but yeah, it's, so, so yeah, that, for that instance, I'll leave the fly out of it, and I just kind of rank it against his other movies from the time period. So I'd say it's number three for me from his movies from the seventies and eighties. Well, Donnie, you're the Not one that right. Donnie, you're the one that brought this to the table. So I'm going to let you eat first. What, what do you say as far as the star rating is concerned? Oh man, star. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so a, yeah, this is you a know, tough one. Uh... it's a tough one to compare to. Some of the stuff <laughs> yeah, it is. it is. Um, but no, um, you know, definitely plenty of <laughs> what the fuck moments. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, it's it's still enjoyable. You know, I mean, it, that's part of what makes it enjoyable. Um, I do wish there was, you know, more more gore. Um, but still, as it sits, um, you know, practical effects always going to, you know, win me over. You know, it, this is no exception here. Uh, I'm going to go three and a half. Smoke, what do you say? Yeah, I. Uh... Agree with everything Donnie just said, and it, uh, yeah, and for the same thing, it could have been a little bit gorier and throughout the whole thing. It's got its moments for sure. Uh, we're well, you're dealing with the subject matter that you're dealing with, which is kind of an extreme subject matter when it comes to like the snuff aspects and all that stuff. Uh, and like I said, that body explosion, uh, they could there was there was so much potential for that to be the you know, we'll get to what we think is our best kill in the movie, but there was so much potential for that to be. Maybe one of, or for him to up the ante on his prior movie scanners when he had that fucking awesome head explosion. Probably, arguably, maybe the best head explosion in horror movies. I mean, that's like I said, it's arguable. I don't know. There's a couple more that I could rank in there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, if it maybe they juiced up the gore even a little bit more, I got a little bit higher. But I, I, I echo Donnie's. I think three and a half is good. Um, I, I echo a lot, you know, of what you guys have said about it, but I, I don't, I don't know if I can go quite three and a half. I'm going to go three. Uh, it's still, it's still a lot of fun. I think it's helped by the fact that it's not very long. You know, I, I think if it, it had been any longer, I don't know if I'd have liked it quite as much. You know, like they, there are some moments where it drags, but it gets to the point, you, you know, you're trying to figure out what's going on. And then once you start to understand it, they kind of, you know, you're getting towards the end, you know? So I think it, it's paced pretty well. Uh, if it had been, you know, 10, 15 minutes longer. I don't know if I'd have enjoyed it quite as much unless it had more gore. I, I echo what you guys said about that. As far as like, I wish it had a, a little bit more. You got Rick Baker, you know, like let's, let's yeah, let's squeeze some more. Juice. Yeah. Let's squeeze some more juice out of that. And, yeah, they, and, definitely. and, I'm, and I'm not saying what they did wasn't, uh, great. Cause it was, it just wasn't quite enough of it. So that's why I have to, you know, knock it just a little bit, but still it's, it's a great movie. It's one that, you know, I've watched a, a time or two and, you know, I definitely would watch it again. So I think overall, I, I think we all pretty much agree for different reasons. And right now, as we sit without Will's rating, of course, we sit at 3.3 stars. Con that's the consensus score, uh, which I think, you know, fairly, you know, percentage wise, fairly jives with uh, what you mm -hmm. see on your critic aggregates and whatnot and your audience, uh, totals imdb gets 7.2 out of 10 stars over on uh metacritic it gets a meta score of 60 that's out of 100 so that percentage wise right that pretty much jives and then over on rotten tomatoes it actually gets a, a tomato meter score of 80 percent certified fresh and that's quite a bit of uh that's uh, what as of right now 56 uh, credit reviews on there and the audience score is the exact same thing 80 80 percent audience score so i think overall it all jives like, you know, it's a, it's a weird body horror type of movie, but as far as weird body horror movies are concerned, it's, it makes, it makes sense. And it's well done because some of them, some of these movies tend not to make sense. And it's like, for instance, I guess street trash for, I'm just thinking of body horror type <laughs> gross out shit. It makes sense, but in a, a different kind of way, right? Like you, this is more of like, you're thinking, think this is thinking man street trash, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to, if you're talking about, and if you want to see some body horror that takes it to the level of like, what in the absolute hell is going on here? We haven't got even, we haven't even touched on any Japanese cyberpunk body oh, horror like Tetsuo, which takes a lot of the same themes from 
yeah, that's well, going now, on in this movie. It takes blasting into the stratosphere. Yeah, <laughs> now you're getting into the uh, uh, the culture differences with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, like there are certain themes that, like maybe us in America, like what the fuck is going on here that say a <laughs> Japanese audience might understand better than we do, kind of thing. You know that 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 just might be a cultural divide thing. But yeah, I think overall uh, we we agree with the critics and the, and the audiences with that. So. Um, we're not done just yet, though, before we, we put a bow here on uh, Videodrome. Connections from the crates. Gotta let it finish. All right, so, uh, yeah, so we're connecting this current uh, episode uh, by any cast and crew connections to past Spook Show episodes. So with Videodrome um, on the cast side, Leslie Carlson, uh, who plays Convex, um, he was also in uh, Black Christmas, and he was in The Fly. Um, and then you mentioned Rick Baker. Uh, he was um, makeup effects legend, obviously. You had mentioned uh, An American Werewolf in London, which we did back in uh, Summer of the Wolf last summer. Uh, when we did those episodes, um, and then also the howling. Now we don't. Yeah. Will is not here to give us the kill count, but I think we we kind of roughly came up with a number of about seven. Mm, yeah. uh, you know, we won't call that the official number until Will says it, but I think roughly that's what yeah. it was. So, but point is, we're not doing the breakdown of the kills, but that leads us to possibly the best one. Let's talk about the kill reel. Highlight kill. All right, so this is somewhat left up to me. I mean, we do talk about it a little bit, but mm. I think we all agree, if, if, I, if I'm not getting them mixed up, I believe it was the Convex killing at the end, right? The last big kill of the movie. I think yeah. that one's the best. The one that you're probably going to take away. What are you going to take away from this movie other than, like, the stomach slit stuff, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, like, I mean, the things there has remember, to be. Yeah. It has to be a gripping death scene where you're just like, oh, yeah, shit. the highlight. Like, I think yeah. th- I think that is the highlight kill, in my opinion. I, I think that's the one. Although the Harlan one, you know, where the, his stomach bites off his arm and he's got the weird nub, and then he basically blows up. That one's that one's a close second. But yeah, I'm gonna go with the convex uh, death as the as the highlight kill. So that uh that naturally takes us to gore score. Yeah, it's, we've talked about it. It's a, it is a juicy one, but you know, and we also mentioned that it could have gone even further. But uh, with what is there, Rick Baker did an amazing job on the effects, as we also mentioned. Uh, as you just mentioned, the best kill, uh, Convex is juicy kill with a basically almost like a meltdown, where his internals are also exposed and everything. And I mean, it's just pretty gruesome. Harlan, yeah, it, it started out gruesome with his hand getting. In, you know, in the stomach hole or whatever, and then coming out with the nub slash whatever <laughs> is on the end of his hand. <laughs> yeah. Cyberpunk thing, whatever. But, uh, and then he blows up, but it, not so, uh, not so explosive, not so explosively graphic and gory and like guts flying or anything like that. One thing, well, one scene where guts do fly though is in, out of the TV, right? Oh, yeah. The scene, yeah. uh, <laughs> when he, where the TV just explodes and like these giant intestine looking things come flying out of it. Uh, so yeah, there's plenty of gore in the movie. It's just not prolonged throughout beginning to end. It's just, it's kind of spread out sporadically and and spurts, (laughs) no pun intended here and there. Uh, (laughs) now as as everybody that's been watching the show would know by now, if you've been watching every episode that, that the, uh, gore score is based on Chaz Balin's gore score and his, uh, deep red, uh, magazines and the deep red horror handbook, et cetera. And uh, this one he did give a rating for, and I'm I will divulge from or diverge from it just a little bit. It's uh he gave it a nine, mm. score score. I mean, in here it's sort of a you know it's subjective for sure. There the scenes that are there are very, very gory. I mean they're they're pretty they're more graphic than your average R-rated movie at the time. That's for sure. Uh, but as we said, they're just not prolonged throughout the whole thing. I don't think so. I'm going to diverge from it a little bit and I'll, I'll give it a, I think I'll give it a, I'll give it a seven for department. I think it definitely deserves that. And it's well, but I think it's, 
just like as we said, it's not prolonged throughout the whole movie, but what is there is pretty graphic. So, so I guess that, that, that'll pretty much wrap it up here for video drama. I think we've said all that needs to be said. You know, one thought I had when you, you brought up Harlan again just now, the weird shape mm-hmm. of his, his hand, right? The nub. I'm yeah. just thinking, like, what the hell does that look like? And, and then maybe I'm totally off base here. But it almost looks like, now that I was thinking about it, like a coax cable. Like, oh. right? Like, <laughs> ah, man. Like he's jacking yeah. into the Matrix or the video. That right? makes that makes more sense than the fucking American Gladiator's joust. <laughs> Pugilistic. I know, like I said, maybe I'm way off, but it just occurred to me, like, what does it look like? Oh, shit, you know? Maybe. kind of does look like maybe, a coax. Maybe like an old 80s coax cable type of hookup. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe somebody out there in the in the in Spook Show land uh, knows. Yeah, that's uh, the 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 flux capacitor. You, you know, <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you guys? Maybe you know. Send us a note. But yeah, that that's pretty much it. So uh, next week we will actually be doing our next Spook Show spotlight. We haven't done one in a little while, it seems like. Uh, but we're going to be focusing in on the uh, on the uh, the career up to this point of uh, the great director and producer Sam Raimi. We've recently done the Evil Dead. Uh, we have done the evil, uh, evil dead two. Right. And mm-hmm. we are on the precipice the next week of doing the evil dead remake from 2013. Now we, we haven't been able to fit army of darkness in there yet, but I'm sure we'll get to it sooner, sooner yeah. rather than later. Uh, but we figured it was a good time to stop and, you know, really take a deep dive and talk about Sam Raimi and everything that he's done up to this point in his career. So, uh, very justified spook show spotlight episode that we'll be doing next week. So you want to yeah. keep your eyes out for that. And then, like I said, the following week, episode 157, we'll talk about the Evil Dead 2013 remake, reboot, however you want to phrase it. We'll, f- we'll finally get to that one. So a little bit of a, a, a Evil Dead month, and that all kind of coincides with right along the same time frame. I can't remember the exact date. Uh, if any of you guys know offhand, the Evil Dead Rise is about to hit theaters. So April. Mm. I want to say maybe the 21st. For some reason, that's that's uh, a yeah, yeah, sounds right. That sounds yeah. so because right. I know it was a while while I'm on uh, vacation. <laughs> yeah, so not this week, but next week, April 21st, Evil Dead Rise will hit theaters. So we figured it was an appropriate time, if for no other reason than that, to talk about Sam Raimi. Obviously, he's involved there. That this is his puppy, and then we're going to talk about the Evil Dead remake right after that. So a uh, little little mini Evil Dead month going on here in the month of April. Yeah. Uh. So. <laughs> All right, well, I guess we'll leave it there. So for Will, who couldn't be with us, Donnie, Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show, and we'll talk to you next week.